0: this meeting is being recorded
1: yes the meeting is being recorded welcome into the three guys talking ball podcast we got a recurring guest with us today after there's some big news in in nebraska we'll get a little bit here before I, i'll do my rundown we'll break down the college football championship weekend uh got the playoff matchup set, the NFL uh, Chiefs uh, got a couple of Chiefs fan on this one today, so they're looking to avenge a, a loss. Talk about that. The Bison live to see another week, but we're going to start off like we talked about it, that there's been some new coaching changes, and to help break it down, we bring on our good friend, recurring guest, Voice of Memorial Stadium at Nebraska. Nate Rohr. Nate, how's it going? And before we get into it, as you can see, Grant has his Iowa stuff on. And (laughs) Nebraska has the better corn. The floor is yours. You can roast Grant away if you want.
2: Oh, hey, we we have the better corn. And at least for 60 minutes, uh, we have the better football team. I mean, uh, you know, the shocking part to me about that game was Nebraska – Basically out Iowa to Iowa from the standpoint that they made fewer mistakes. And Iowa made a bunch, especially in the first half. And as it turns out, it was just enough for Nebraska to go out and get the win. So uh, that was a pretty fun day after Thanksgiving. It's not what I saw coming. I worried that Nebraska would be out of gas. Uh, There were some significant concerns, especially at linebacker uh about what nebraska would be able to do defensively but they hung in there uh they got some takeaways early and they were able to capture a victory so uh i got to admit the day after thanksgiving was pretty fun at the expense of the hawkeyes
1: (laughs) yeah and then after that they uh they they got the new head they got the guy they've wanted in in matt rule uh what's the uh what's kind of the word What, what what's your initial reaction to them Uh, going with Rule as the next head coach?
2: Makes a lot of sense. Uh, I think his personality is very well suited to the Big Ten. He grew up uh, in State College, Pennsylvania, and was a walk-on linebacker at Penn State. So his football DNA fits the Big Ten very well. Uh, Even his Baylor teams um, were very good line of scrimmage teams, good defensive teams, relatively speaking. Uh, to the big 12 conference. So I think he'll be able to build the sort of teams in the big 10 that can win. And I think we've really gotten an education over the last few years about the blueprint for winning football in the big 10. And in a lot of ways, our suspicions about big 10 football have been confirmed Uh, line of scrimmage works You know, having great offensive linemen, great defensive linemen, tight ends, you know, guys with neck rolls on your defense. That works. You know, (laughs) that's what Michigan has. That's, you know, the thought that Big Ten football was going away from the Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa blueprint and more toward the spread offense, Ohio State blueprint, I think has been dispelled. Uh, and it will be an interesting evolution for Ohio State, because pretty clearly, over the last couple of years, Michigan has shown the way to win in this league. And, and I think it's more replicable um, blueprint for a lot of other schools, including Nebraska. So the fact that Matt Rule's kind of geared that way anyway, the fact that the Big Ten is kind of swinging back toward that identity, Uh, I I think bodes well for Matt Rule's success in this league. I think he's already made some really nice headway in the state. People were wowed by his press conference a week ago today. Uh, And then he's followed it up by some impressive work on the recruiting trail in the state. Uh, And and that's been a bone of contention among Nebraska fans uh, because it's felt like a lot of talent has escaped the state's borders over the last decade and that's part of the reason why nebraska's fallen on harder times i mean iowa took Noah Fant out of here there are guys going to oklahoma and, and this is as talented a high school crop as there's been in this state and, and so the idea that there isn't any talent here is not true so matt rule's really work to rebuild those pipelines, especially to here in the Metro in Omaha. I think all that will eventually pay off for him, but uh, I think the large, you know, 30,000 foot view of the reaction to Matt rule is overwhelmingly positive. Uh, it's not quite the rock star Gaga head over heels that everyone was when Scott Frost was hired but I think it's a very solid optimism that if he's able to do what he did at Baylor, Nebraska is going to be in good shape.
1: Yeah. Has he, has he, is he still working on finalizing his staff? Is there going to be any uh, er, guys that he's bringing back from the frost staff? Is that as what, what, what does he all have as a finalized staff so far?
2: Well, he's hired an offensive coordinator, uh, Marcus Satterfield from South Carolina. Uh, he had a very good end of the season uh, in his last two games. Uh, he's two hired a... out of a playoff. Yeah, how about that? Yeah, he was he was the closer. His, his Gamecocks were kind of kind of the uh, kind of the grim reaper to the those teams' hopes of the playoff. Uh, so he's hired an offensive coordinator. He's hired a special teams coordinator. Uh, He has filled out basically half of his staff. He's got his strength and conditioning coach. He does not have a defensive coordinator yet. Um, And then there are a couple of spots that are still up for grabs on the staff. There are actually, I guess, five positions. Uh, I think most people anticipate that those will get filled up pretty quickly uh, because, of course, the recruiting uh, calendar is so accelerated. The transfer portal opened today. Uh, coaches could get out on visits, uh, this weekend, this past weekend. So, uh, as I mentioned, I mean, Matt rule was out and about, uh, the other coaches were out and about, uh, so there's some urgency. I feel like some things were held up because of the conference championship games. Now that those are done, I would be really surprised if this staff isn't almost done, if not all the way done by the middle of this week.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, and there was some unfortunate events that happened with the interim head coach. Was there talk that he was going to
2: be coming back before his incident? It was at least a point of discussion. Um, you know, Matt Rule brought him up, brought him up during the uh during the media session on Monday. Uh I think there were some plans in place to at least talk. I don't know If I don't know where Matt Rule was before the incident, Uh, whether whether he was leaning one way, leaning the other, open to other possibilities. Uh, It's notable that the wide receiver position has not been filled to this point. So the wide receiver coach position, which tells me that there was at least going to be a pretty strong look given at Mickey Joseph. But uh, with uh, his arrest uh, that occurred last week, I I think that's pretty well off the table. So um, I I think it was it was definitely out there. It was definitely something that could have happened. But now there's no chance. Okay. What's
1: kind of the the vibe around Lincoln? Were there was there a lot of positive reaction to him, or were they there's kind of a little bit of a negative pushback, or was what 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 is the most the uh, Majority reaction around uh, Lincoln and then, I guess, the on the broader spectrum, this whole state of Nebraska?
2: I think people are pretty excited. Um, the week before, about Wednesday of Iowa week, or as normal humans would call it, Wednesday of Thanksgiving week, uh, there was some discussion that, hey, Matt Rule might not be available. Matt Rule had kind of been, especially over the month of November, the leading candidate. And and as we heard of some coaches accepting extensions, the big one was Lance Leipold at Kansas uh, because Lance had coached at Nebraska as a graduate assistant uh, about 20 years ago. He had also worked off and on at UNO when they had a a football program as a division two. Uh, So he had some ties into the state. He had success at Kansas. There was some discussion that Lance Leipold would be a factor in this thing. But uh, that went off the boards and the name Bronco Mendenhall popped up middle of the week before the hiring of Matt Rule. And I think that scared a lot of people. And I think it also, um, I I think Nebraska stepped up its game and made sure that Matt Rule would be coming here. Uh, Matt Rule discussed that it it wasn't a straight line path. The president of the university system, Ted Carter. Uh, who actually knew Matt Rule when Rule was at Temple and Carter uh, was with the Naval Academy. Uh, he he had to intervene and help this thing across the finish line. Um, so I think the fact that Nebraska got Matt Rule and not you know, somebody farther down the list was, was a positive. I think people felt good about the hire when it happened, uh, when it was announced uh, Saturday morning. I think people have felt better increasingly about the hire as he's gotten out there. He had a great press conference, as I said, Monday. I think people took a lot of energy and a lot of excitement from that. Uh, I was a little worried. The university made as big a deal as I've seen them make for a coach hiring, including the Scott Frost hiring. They, they invited ha- fans to line the path from Uh, Memorial Stadium to the Hawks Center where they held it. They held the press conference in the Hawks Championship Center, the indoor practice facility, and not elsewhere in the stadium. And, I mean, gosh, they walked out. They had the band going. They had pyrotechnics going, none of which they had when they hired Scott Frost. Uh, And and I was a little worried that, hey, maybe Nebraska's overselling this. But I, I think it just added to it. And then I think the biggest thing that's really helped Matt Rule in the eyes of Nebraska fans is he's gotten out in the state, he's been visible in the state. He he went to Lincoln High School first off, uh, and, and I mean Lincoln High is in downtown Lincoln, which is not far from the Nebraska campus, and they happen to have a wide receiver that had committed to Iowa State, and you know, the most recent Nebraska staffs have seemed to take the state of Nebraska for granted. Uh, And the fact that Matt Rule and his staff made themselves very visible in going out and first visiting with Nebraska's, uh, the the commits to this class that are from the state. And then secondly, going into other high schools uh, in Lincoln, in Omaha, and even outstate Nebraska to make themselves a presence I think that was very valuable, and I I think it's pretty important in rebuilding those talent pipelines back to the university and making sure that if there's a good football player in the borders, they play for the Huskers. Period. Amen. End of discussion. Uh, I'll give you an example. Gretna uh, is an Omaha suburb. They finished second in the state this year. They won the state championship last year. That was a crazy game. I saw, I saw the highlights on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Ended with a uh, 47-yard field goal. The uh, Gretna quarterback is going to Oklahoma State. And my understanding is Nebraska didn't recruit him, hardly at all. And, and so that feeling that Husker coaches have kind of taken in-state talent for granted and undersold the in-state talent, that's something that I think Matt Rule and his staff have been really intentional, uh, really intentional about fighting against and trying to dispel right now to where the state's high school coaches go back to the old days where they said, if you're, if you're a good player, you're playing in Lincoln. I'll let you guys,
1: you, you guys ask. I've been hogging all the questions so far. So
0: what do you think was the biggest reason Frost failed, Like. Wisconsin's own guy. Was it an ego thing? Lack of culture? Uh, missing on the the Nebraska recruiting?
2: Like, what do you think was the biggest reason? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I I think there were there were things that that um. I don't know how how well organized he was. Uh, you look back, especially in the early days of his program. Uh, his director of football operation, or his chief of staff, I should say, was a guy that hadn't worked in college football. Uh, and I don't think that was very helpful to him. Uh, I think, um, I, you know, I don't know how well organized he was. Uh, there there are all sorts of, of rumors and such about how, how he went about recruiting that, you know, I, I don't think he was terribly well organized. Uh, I think he underestimated the effort that, that would be required. Um, you know, recruiting, it's interesting. Nebraska from a, just a pure recruiting ranking rivals standpoint should have run roughshod through the big 10 West, but because I don't think this, the, the staff developed talent terribly well and didn't have it very well organized, uh, they they fell well short it was it, it was a situation where the sum of the parts was was greater than the whole which is not what you want you want the opposite of it um i i think there were some misses in recruiting that left nebraska very thin uh nebraska had hardly any defensive linemen on the roster and you think about that position i mean that's big guys getting ruled up on that's a position that's a uh Position where you need rotation. I mean, good teams are going at least two deep every spot, and Nebraska could hardly suit that up sometimes. So I, I think it, obviously uh, there are a lot of things. And the other part is Big Ten football is well coached. It's football on the hard mode. This is this is not mad or this is not uh, NCAA football you know, freshman mode, this is Heisman mode. And, and I think from a strategic standpoint, I think from a discipline standpoint, that staff just got beat and and, and couldn't really get the program turned around in those respects. Uh, and then, you know, one, once you start losing, the the chatter and the momentum becomes negative and it becomes very difficult to dig out of.
3: Yeah, Nate, um, I hear in, you know, Matt Rule's opening press conference, you know, Trev Albert said it was important. We got someone who can build this brick by brick. And then in return, you know, you saw what Matt Rule did at Temple and then Baylor and how he got that eight-year contract. Is that something that you think Trev Albert needed to sit back and realize this could take a little bit? Let's give him some time with the length of this contract. And Matt Rule is going to do it the right way instead of thinking, hey, this will be a quick fix you know, let's change things right away here.
2: Well, I, I think that there is a pretty deep commitment to to Matt Rule, uh, just, you know, in terms of head coaching and also in terms of the resources he's getting. And yes, I think the length of the contract is a factor. Uh, you always worried with Rule because he had a significant buyout with, with the Carolina Panthers. You had to make a financial statement and commitment that you that you wanted him or or else he could sit out And, and i think nebraska made it pretty crystal clear where they see matt rule as far as the length of the rebuild i'm of two minds about it you know i don't expect nebraska to be in the college football playoff you know in the next few years but the tenor of college football the setup of college football is such Uh, That it's as good a time now as ever to rebuild because of the transfer portal, uh, because, you know, everybody, there's there's such a glut of talent. You just need to be very intelligent about identifying it, bringing it in, and developing it. Uh, And so from an organizational standpoint, I think Matt Rule will be in a good place to get this thing turned around fairly quickly, at least to the point where Nebraska is an eight-win team. Uh, you know, where Nebraska is is competitive in basically every Big Ten game is in that upper third of the league, even after realignment occurs with the addition of USC and UCLA. Um, so I I I believe pretty quickly Nebraska can get there, upper third of the Big Ten, go into bowl games basically every year. The question that exists in my mind, um, and sort of the longer haul of the, this rebuild is how do you take it from eight wins, nine wins, decent bowl game every year, to eleven wins, twelve wins, winning the Big Ten championship, competing for the national championship? That's the part I'm not sure on. I because I'm convinced Matt Rule can get Nebraska to to that to the seven eight win level. The question is how much farther and I think he'll get seven eight wins relatively soon, perhaps next year
1: yeah i was I was looking at their schedule. It sets up pretty favor decently favorably for them. We'll see what he does within the transfer portal and guys he's able to retain and see how he finishes up recruiting because the recruiting is going to be tough because it's such a short window, and even though they did get on top of things hiring, it's still a lot of short turnaround to really get those guys that are kind of on the fence, try to get them overturned. But I think I watched his press conference and you're, you're absolutely right. He did knock it out of the park. And I think the one thing that stuck out with me with it was how he talked, how he really connected with, I think the Nebraska fan base, he talked about, Mm -hmm. you know, that's going to resemble the state of Nebraska, the, the process, the day by day, the hard work, the detail oriented people and he wants guys he wants guys that want to be huskers and they want to be nebraska men and they want to be able to honor that tradition and they want he wants to build something that the fans can be proud of and what they're spending money on um and i think i think that's the best way to do it i think if mm-hmm. you look at i think that's maybe what got what nebraska got away from is and you've alluded to it, too, where they didn't want to recruit or they took Nebraska, the state of Nebraska recruiting-wise for granted, where he's gone more, you know, I've seen him on Twitter a little bit now. And since I've gotten to know you, there's a lot of Nebraska stuff that just pops up on my Twitter feed. Mm-hmm. And where he, he was out in Scott's Bluff over the weekend and, like you said, going to Lincoln. Um, but it's the... The culture and building that, and getting guys that want to and understand the tradition of Nebraska. I and I think with NIL and transfer mm-hmm. portals and things like that, I think it's such a it and it's coming true too. Where like you look at a place like Texas A and M, who threw the bag at a bunch of recruits, they're all gone. Mm-hmm. Where I, I mm-hmm. think this is the right way. And uh, Matt Matt Rule, his if you look at his previous jobs he's built things from the ground up and he's been able to maintain it. He just, he's been at spots where they're not really destination jobs, where I think this is, this is where he, if he was able to retire outside of maybe James Franklin leaving or getting let go, I think, mm-hmm. I think this is a place Matt rule would want to stay forever and retire here.
2: Well, you certainly hope for that. Uh, that that obviously, I mean, shoot, as you guys mentioned, that's an eight year contract. Uh he, Let's see. He will probably he'll be pretty well along in his coaching career by the end of that contract. So um, you know, we'll we'll see how much farther he goes past that. But if you do this job right, yes, it is a destination job. And you know, laugh at me all you want for saying this. This is a place you can win the national championship right now in this era of college football, not to say that Nebraska is in a position to win it next year. Don't don't get me wrong, but there's not much that has to happen. And there's not much of anything that a coach has to do beyond just do right things with your program to get Nebraska in a place to win a national championship. You're going to have all the resources you could ever want. Um, and the NIL thing is an interesting thing that you bring up because Those efforts were fairly disorganized uh, by all accounts at Nebraska in the years prior, there's a concerted effort being made right now uh, to, to organize those better because if they are well-organized, that's a hell of a club to have in your bag. As Matt rule, you're going to have the money to get the player you want. You know, there is no salary cap at Nebraska, Uh, but at the same time, it is balanced with that spirit that you mentioned, Uh, we're not just going to go grab the next shiny thing. If a kid's good, if a kid fits our culture, if he fits our schemes, we're going to go after him and we're going to have the most competitive package for him, but he's got to, he's got to be right for us. And, And so I have a lot of faith in Matt rule in how he builds things. I do wonder how the landscape of college football that changed a pretty fair amount, even in the couple of years, he was in the NFL, uh, will we, we'll alter his timeline, alter his methodology in building a program. But if he's able to adapt to those, and I think he will be, Nebraska will be in good shape because this guy knows how to build a good football program and he'll have the resources to take it even farther than he's taken a program before.
3: So Nate, we, uh, you know, we've been talking about the transfer portal a lot here. You know, go back to last offseason. Casey Thompson goes from Texas to Nebraska. Uh, I'm just curious, what is his – does he have any years of eligibility left? Could he come back? Or would Matt – is he maybe going to dig into that to get his quarterback for at least the 2023 season? Um, uh, that's transport.
2: unknown. That That's unknown right now. He does have – Casey Thompson does have another year, uh, so he could come back uh, mm-hmm. if he chooses. But he's also, you know – an older kid and i don't know what he's hearing in terms of nfl possibilities uh he also has some business ambitions uh casey thompson is partially of native american descent he's talked about opening gyms uh on reservations to to try and uh, encourage uh the native population to to be more physically fit which has been a problem for them and so, you know, does he see now as the time to go in that direction? I don't know. But Casey does have another year to work with. I think we'll get a decision on that fairly soon. Um, I, I think Thompson was treated pretty well here at Nebraska. He put out a pretty good year. He he hurt his elbow toward the end of the year that that I think really restricted him. Uh, but he was able to to come back for the Iowa game. Played very tough, stood in the pocket and 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 led him to a win. So uh, I, you know, just guessing. And, and Thompson did attend uh, the the news conference on Monday. So if his if he was all the way out, he wouldn't have been there. And, and Thompson was quoted afterwards as saying, "You know, there are a lot of things that sound right with Matt Rule uh, that sound the way I would want them to sound." So. There's some alignment there. I don't know, you know, what conversations have taken place in the last, you know, week and a half, but it does feel like it's at least a possibility that Thompson returns. Okay. Yeah. He,
1: and he, he was a good player. He's a fun player to watch. He's athletic. He can throw the ball. Well, Um, what is, what is, what would you, what is something that you want to see with Matt rule That's um, when they take Nebraska takes the field next year. What is something that you want them when you watch them on the field that you're going to be looking for to see where they are
2: the most improved? I think just overall discipline and, you know, it's pretty simple penalties and turnovers. Do you restrict, do you limit the number of penalties you have and for what it's worth Nebraska cut back on those this year. Um, But throughout the Scott Frost era, they would pick up penalties and they would usually be at the absolute worst times. So are you able to play fairly clean football? Some are going to happen. who cares? But, you know, generally speaking, are you able to limit your penalties and are you able to limit your giveaways? You know, football's tough enough when you've got one opponent, the other guy, the guys wearing the different color jerseys, but when you're playing against yourselves and them, it's virtually impossible to win so yeah just don't give anything away and and, you know hopefully down the road if you don't give anything away at some point you can take some things away and you can make big plays but yeah just eliminate as many mistakes as possible as quickly as possible Uh, and then and then we can go from there all right um what i guess i got one more question
1: i know this is a little bit of a rivalry because they, the Huskers, and they play them next year. What did you think of the Dion hire at Colorado?
2: Interesting. Uh, I, you know, on one level, I think it's a really good hire for Colorado because that's a program that's dead in the water right now, and, and I say this with some, uh, you know, gritting my teeth a little bit because they they beat Nebraska. This is the third time the teams are going to play in a five-year span. Colorado beat Nebraska in what was actually Scott Frost's first game. First game was lightninged out, so his first game as the Husker head coach was the Colorado game. Nebraska lost it narrowly, and then the Huskers lost in overtime out there uh, in 2019. Uh, but you know, Colorado football is irrelevant right now. All you had to do is flip on the television, watch him play, and that stadium is half full. And that's a market where if you struggle, they check out in a hurry. So the fact that they hired Dion Sanders, uh, I think on some levels makes a lot of sense. Plus, I think Dion translates pretty well to the Pac-12. I don't, you know, if he there was a little murmur about him possibly coming to Nebraska. There was a guy he that. Would not,
1: because I want to say sorry to interrupt, but yeah. I, I want to say it was. I think it and I'll laugh at this, but I think it was Zach Smith saying it was a done deal that he was going to Nebraska.
2: Yeah, yeah, it, it was a prevalent. It was at least a rumor that had gotten some traction, and for a variety of reasons, I think Deion Sanders would have been a terrible fit at Nebraska. You know, I I think a lot of flash, no substance. And to to get to the point at Colorado, I think that's what it's going to be. I think he's going to have a highly rated recruiting class. I think they're going to be pretty good on the perimeter in the the Pac-12 that can get you a ways, but I just don't, you know, they may end up being a bold team, which would be a quantum leap for Colorado football. But in the end, talking about winning and losing football, you know, I, I just don't see him Elevating Colorado football to the point where they're winning the Pac-12 and, you know, nationally relevant beyond the fact that, hey, a prominent NFL player is is coaching at Colorado. I I found it interesting in the hiring press conference that was yesterday. That was Sunday. Uh, First off, the AD talked about efforts of keeping Nebraska fans out of Folsom Field. Husker fans overran Folsom Field in 2019. They will do the same again. Just forget it. You know, whatever efforts they put in, have to order from a Colorado area code, have to buy season tickets, doesn't matter. That place will be at least half red for the Colorado game. But secondly, they asked the athletic director, well, you know, Colorado athletics can't be flush with cash right now. How'd you afford to pay for Dion? And he gave a nervous chuckle and you could see the perspiration start to spring from his pores. <laughs> and, and he said, oh, we're working on it. And I mean, unless they charge 150 bucks ahead for the Nebraska game, which they might, Colorado, isn't going to have the money. Now, how does that translate? That means his assistant coaching pool is going to be lesser. And for an inexperienced coach like Dion Sanders, you need people who can actually coach. I don't think he's going to have the money to do so. It'll hurt his recruiting budget. It'll hurt, you know, whatever NIL operation they're able to put up. You're, you're not going to have much of an NIL operation, especially in the long term at Colorado. So in the end, I see him as maybe a winning record at CU, but no more. Yeah, I, I think
1: what what he did at Jackson State was great.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, he did a
1: great job recruiting and with his NIL. But I mean, the record it. He was playing i mean he got four and five star guys to go there, which credit to him to get him to go to an f c s school. but you're playing guy you're playing against guys that shouldn't be playing at Alabama where he was playing with guys that could be going to Alabama sure. and those places and in the press conference, it was talking about it, it just seems so me centric where it was all mm-hmm. about him i. I don't know. I, I feel like this could almost almost be like a Jimbo Fisher with the Texas A&M recruiting class, where it's bring in all these guys, but they're not going to mesh because at, at the FBS level and Power 5 level where the talent gap isn't as big, you need to find some cohesion within the team. Mm-hmm. You know, He's already saying that his son's going to be the quarterback. There's no competition. He's bringing a bunch of the rest of his guys from Jackson state. Like that's just doesn't seem like that's a good way to win a
2: win over a locker room, but no, and I don't think it's a good way to build a program long-term. I mean, no. you, you talk about the FCS level. Yes. His talent was a lot was just overwhelming compared to the others. He's in the pack 12. He's going against Lincoln Riley. He's going against chip Kelly. He's going against, um, Kyle Whittingham. I mean,
3: you know, Dan
1: Lanning in Oregon,
2: Dan Lanning at Oregon, Caitlin DeBoer. Yeah. Caitlin DeBoer had
1: a great and, year. So, uh, John Smith at Oregon state too. That that's yeah. not a slouch program
2: anymore either. And they've that's just right.
1: invested and, a, a bunch of money into facilities because they're redoing Reeser stadium right now.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So you're going up, a you're going up two or three weight classes here uh, as Dion Sanders. And, you know, I just don't, I think it's it's asking a lot of him to to that quickly go from coaching, maybe high school to coaching FCS and, and at a SWAC school to now, hey, we're going to be in the Pac-12. We're going to win and we're going to compete for the national championship all in a mm-hmm. program where the support is pretty meager and, and we're going to do it in a hurry. I just don't see it. And, and you know, the me thing. Uh, that troubled me, too, because, uh, you know, this isn't FCS where it's, and you guys know better than me, what is it, 60-some scholarships for for a program? Well, because uh, what's,
1: FBS, is it 70? 85. 85. 85. So, FCS is
2: 70. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So So, one high-talent kid makes so much more of an impact on the FCS level. Than he does at the FBS level, so I I just don't see how he's going to overcome that by just you know getting a bunch of kids, and, and especially the type of kid that you're going to get there. You talk about his press conference and his whole presentation being me centric. Well, that's the sort of kid you're going to attract, and and if that's the kid you're attracting, I mean that's going to be a tough locker room to wrangle. Uh, I just do not see it working out with much success at Colorado. I think the ceiling, quite frankly, is him going to a bull game two years, three years in a row, and then going somewhere else, probably back toward the Southeast. Yeah.
1: I, 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 we'll see how it goes. I hope it works out. I think it'd be sweet to have
2: Colorado be good, but.
1: And, oh, I um, don't know about
2: that.
0: I I, I knew you, you'd say, that.
2: <laughs> keep but, them in the mud where they belong. <laughs> but uh, they, I,
1: it, they, it's I've heard it's one of the most beautiful campuses in the country. But um, one of your uh, the former one of the former D coordinators for Nebraska, um, uh, Craig Bowl, former Bison mm-hmm. coach as well. But he was talking to one of the Fargo writers back. I don't know how long ago it was, but they talked about it today on one of the radio shows I was listening to and said that like Colorado is one of those places where it's, they have all the, you know, resources in the world to be good. It's just, there's just something around that place where it's just a very lazy,
2: it's a very lazy culture. Yeah, it's interesting. uh, And, and I'm not so sure. There isn't something to that, uh, which is weird, but it has persisted historically. I mean, uh, Bill McCartney built that thing up in in the mid 80s and and they had that run uh, really for about 15, 20 years where it sustained itself from the mid 80s uh, until the mid 2000s and Gary Barnett had the whole Katie Nida controversy. Um, And and that really threw that program for a loop, and they've not been able to recapture it. Um, And and there there is something that holds that place back. It's being, it's a school that kind of has a foot in both camps, because even though they're in the Pac-12, they're still kind of out by themselves, So, so it's a little more blue collar mentality, but at the same time, there's also a huge piece of that campus. Uh, There's a huge part of that student body that comes from California uh, and, and is laid back surfer vibe, all that. So yeah, there is something there. I, I, I don't know how to describe it. I don't know how to combat it, but I, I, you know, Craig's onto something there that there's something weird that holds that program back
1: yeah and then back to, we'll go back to the big 10 what did you think of the fickle hiring because you talked I'm about little... how the big 10's got great coaches which harbaugh ryan day rule now fleck uh kirk ferentz jeff Brom, who seems to be a heck of a coach sure
0: and,
1: uh just uh, brett bielema seems to be having things going as well as you could ask for Illinois football. The, the coaching is very deep in the Big Ten. How do you think Fickle fits into that mix?
2: Oh, I think he'd he deepen that pool all the more. I mean, the guy's a winner. He knows the Big Ten footprint as well as anybody, having played for Ohio State, having coached at Ohio State uh, as long as he did. I guess I was a little surprised that he left Cincinnati um, because he has it going there, and now they're going to the Big 12. Now it's a discount Big 12, uh, especially once Texas and Oklahoma leave. But he has it going at Cincinnati to where he could move into the Big 12 and, and be pretty prominent. But I think he's anticipating what we're all anticipating, which is sort of a split of college football, where the Big 10, the SEC, and then a few other programs that get life wraps are going to an upper echelon and I think Fickle's getting himself positioned for that and at the expense of Cincinnati and the Big 12 and he's just a terrific football coach he's built a very solid program at Cincinnati and the fact that he goes to Wisconsin where they've had a tradition of winning where they have an expectation of winning The hire also tells me, by the way, that Wisconsin's willing to spend a little more on football. Uh, They've had kind of a weird dichotomy there about not wanting to spend on football, even though they've been good at it. And the fickle hiring tells me, one, they're willing to spend on a head coach, and two, they're willing to spend on an assistant coach pool that would attract him. And and they've had lots of assistants leave there. So I, I think fickle's hiring to Wisconsin only steps up what's already probably the best coach league in the country. It's not the best talent league in the country, but it's the best coach league without question.
1: Yeah. Well, and and the thing with Wisconsin too, where they're willing to spend money, which didn't make sense when their AD was probably was the best coach that their football program has ever had and Barry Alvarez. And then you look at like, they've had just some kind of weird, Weird coaching situations where they seemed like they had coaches that were really had things rolling and then they would leave to take other jobs, whether you know, B B Lima going to Arkansas and then I think it was it was a Gary Anderson that was after him. Gary Gary Anderson. He went Went to to Oregon State. And then I can't remember who was after him, left for a different job as well. And then well, Dave
2: Aranda was on the Wisconsin staff and left yep. as an assistant coach. Um, I think Paul Christ was right after yeah,
0: after Anderson.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, but yeah, I I I think the interesting part about having a former coach as an AD, and we saw this some with Tom Osborne. He was very supportive of Bo Pelini in terms of uh, of what he said, and he would he would support him but Osborne also had coached 15 years prior uh to when Bo Pelini had been hired and the landscape of college football had changed a lot even from there so I don't know you know from a money standpoint I don't know if if you know everything Bo Pelini asked for he got um but I, you know, I can't speak for certain that he didn't get anything, right? But it's just such a different landscape in college football. Things change so rapidly in a 10-year span, in a five-year span, you know, even in the span, as I mentioned, that Matt Rule was in the NFL three years uh, with the NIL, with the COVID year. So how that pertains to Wisconsin and Barry Alvarez is the fact that Barry probably thought to himself and said, well, I didn't have this, that, or the other thing when I was coaching and turns out I won Rose Bowls and and got to Pasadena quite a bit. Why Why do you need it? Um, and then I think that is folded in with a fairly restrictive academic culture at Wisconsin. Um, I, I think they they pride themselves on being a public school, one of the best public universities in the country, And the real world football impact of that is they're reluctant to take transfers. They took Russell Wilson and they've took others, but, but it's tough to get a transfer there. And they absolutely will not take a junior college guy there. It's rare to get a Juco guy there. And so when you're at Wisconsin, you're already kind of fighting uphill because of the weather and and being in the big 10. And then you're telling me I can't recruit JUCOs, and especially in the brave new world of college football, I can't take as many transfers as the other guy. Those are some restrictions. Those are some limitations. And you know that I'm sure that's something Luke Fickle addressed when he talked with the Wisconsin administration. They have a new athletic director in Chris McIntosh, and you know I I'm I wouldn't be surprised if he's pledged to be a little more aggressive and a little more permissive of Wisconsin using their resources to their full advantage to build a great football program. Did yeah. you see how much they gave as a system pool? I did not, but I'm sure 7. it was a big Point
0: two five,
2: seven Seven and a quarter. Yeah. Woof. yeah, that, that sounds right. I mean, the talk has been that Jim Leonard could possibly stay there. Um, Especially after not getting the head coach job, mm-hmm. it would take a pretty big check with two commas in it, and probably a cricket another number on the side of the first one to keep yeah. him. And, and uh, you know, I I think Wisconsin's ponying up. We understand that college football; it, it's the, the arms race just got flipped into hyperdrive uh, with the television contracts that are coming down for the Big Ten. Uh, and the sec uh, with the 12 team playoff, you know, we we've kicked everything into hyperdrive and, you know, a program like Wisconsin has to sit there and say, are we going to be a big time football program? Nebraska, just the same, everybody, Iowa, Minnesota, Illinois, on down the list. Are we going to try to compete at a high level? And I think Wisconsin Uh, has understood that that's going to take a little greater commitment than they're used to.
1: Yeah. And then uh, you guys got any other questions for Nate?
3: Just one, one quick one, Nate, kind of the one weird stat or one negative you'll find from rules hiring was his record against ranked teams, you know, zero and 11. Mm -hmm. Is that about over this last week and a half, or is it more or less we're still in the honeymoon stage? Look what he's done at two programs. Uh, we trust him. He'll get that win against a ranked opponent.
2: Well, I don't think that it's been too big a negative. It it has been brought up. Don't get me wrong. Uh, And and people have discussed it. Um, I I think that that statistic gets tempered by the idea. Okay. How many times was he favored? How many times did he have a superior talent uh, pool to the other team? And I mean, if you're running into Oklahoma, you're running into Texas and I would suspect a lot of those uh, 11 losses are against them, you know, the odds are, are not good for you. Um, so I I don't think people are are too troubled by it. They're aware of it. Um, but I think that right now for Nebraska football, that's a secondary concern. Job one is to win the games you're supposed to win. You know, when when you lose to a Georgia Southern, when you lose to a when you are the only win that a bad Northwestern team picks up, Hey, I want to beat ranked opponents, but I definitely want to take care of Northwestern and Georgia Southern. And I have full confidence that Matt rule will do that. And then hopefully we're then in a position to beat one of the top 25.
1: Yeah. Well, and the other part of it too, is, is you have to go look at what Baylor was when he walked Mm -hmm. into that job because that was a program on the doorstep of almost getting the death penalty, almost being just from what happened with the whole Art Ryle scandal. And then Temple, I think there were, there might've been some, they were, they had some stuff going on there as well, where they had some NCAA violation. I'm not positive, but I mean, he built those programs from the ground up.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Baylor was playing in a sugar bowl within three years. And I mean, Art Briles, that whole crew hadn't run that. Yes, they had built them up, but they had also left it in shambles. Um, and, and so I, like I said, I'm not troubled by his struggles against ranked opponents. Uh, I think he'll get plenty of chances at Nebraska where, where he's on more equal footing. The fact that Baylor was able to step up to that height uh, it was pretty exciting and and you know we'll see what he can do now that he has the full complement of resources
1: yeah mm-hmm. and I got I got one more question uh, before mm-hmm. a little bit of a light-hearted one did you did you tick off any fan bases this year like you ticked <laughs> off the Iowa fan base uh, in 2021
2: well, there were some Husker fans grumbling about me, you know, we were struggling Uh-oh. on third down. <laughs> so um, no, I, the third down thing kind of took on a life of its own when we couldn't complain about the team as much just because they were struggling as much as they were. It was just kind of, kind of a, uh, a foregone conclusion. So and didn't tick off any opposing fan bases didn't tick off any other coaches which disappointed me god that was i enjoyed that when i was getting tweets that was in ference's ears even though i think it was our music guy who who, <laughs> who was really bugging ference but can, can you share like
1: kind of the, the story of of that of it was 2021 it was nebraska sure. iowa the day after thanksgiving and i'm going on twitter and i'm seeing
2: you you liking tweets about iowa <laughs> complaining about well, yeah, early in the game, uh, the Iowa coaches called a timeout when they had an offensive third down, because like at a lot of stadiums, Nebraska plays loud music after a second down leading into a third down. And last year I added, uh, an elongated third down. So I would, you know, call it was called second down, I, you know, second down play, ball carried by Spencer Petras, tackle made by Johnson, gain of three yards on the play. And then from the 28-yard line, it's third and eight. And I would hold third as long as I could in it some It was a situation. long
1: time. I remember list, I, the, the Ohio State one sticks out in my mind. Where yeah. you, I remember you held it for, it was like, I didn't count, but it felt like it was like 20 seconds.
2: Yeah, I I, I would try to hold it. And, and meanwhile, our music guy is hitting big music. You know, we're talking ac We're talking big guitars. You know, loud as it can be, uh, and and we're pushing it. We're we're getting close. I think he was going right up to when the center was coming over the football, and, and you're supposed to cut all artificial noise when the center actually gets over the ball puts his hand on it, and prepares to snap it. And I think we were still on the right side of that, but we were close. And, and I think in a bit of gamesmanship, Kirk Ferentz was trying to cut that earlier. Um, remember the year before it had been a point of contention that, uh, that Nebraska was being thrown off when they were on offense by Iowa's uh, defense giving disconcerting signals. And so I think we were trying to push third downs a little bit. Kirk was aware of that and came after us. And, and there was a sideline report uh, that we heard. And I saw it on social media when he called that timeout with them on offense on third down saying uh, he was, he was calling the timeout because there was too much noise in the stadium and too much artificial noise on third down. And, me being a part of the effort, I I took great pride and pleasure in that. Of course, Iowa ended up winning the game, so he got the last laugh. But uh, but you know, as a PA guy, you feel like, well, I gotta I gotta do everything I can uh, to help this thing out, and that was my meager effort.
1: Okay, well, I was I was glad I've, I've been we've had you on. This is I think what the fourth fourth time you've mm-hmm. been on. And I've been meaning to ask you it every time, but it finally I've never gotten around to it, so I'm glad I was finally able to. So thank you, Nate, for joining us. We'll have to get you on, possibly, I guess. Well, you're I know you're a baseball fan. The sure. Royals, uh, the Royals have a new stadium, so maybe as baseball season gets closer, we'll have you on, help us uh, discuss some Royals baseball and kind of the state of the Royals, because there sounds like they could be on
2: the move. Well, that things are are starting to move with them. with we'll, we, the stadium just got proposed, so we're still a few years away. But yeah, the uh, uh, ba- the thought of baseball is getting me through this cold, dark December. <laughs> yeah. Although it's yeah. colder and darker for you guys, from what yeah. I'm. Thinking, so. mm-hmm. This is true, but
1: there 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 are hopefully brighter days ahead for your Huskers. So we'll talk to you next
2: time, Nate. Thank you. Hey, glad to be with you, gentlemen. Thanks, Nate. See Nate. See you, boys.
1: All right. Thanks again to Nate for joining us. That was a was a fun conversation. Well, let's just uh, let's stay stay in the college football realm. We've got the playoff is set. I think the committee got it right. Uh, Michigan, TCU, in the Fiesta Bowl. Georgia, Ohio State, in the Peach Bowl. Alabama was left out. I mean, you can argue. All day, at some point, with it only being four teams, I think one team's always going to feel like they got left out. But it's they got. I think they got it right. We're going to see what happens. We'll preview that as the uh, the week it, the week of the games, uh, conference championship. There wasn't a whole lot of good games. Michigan very won a very workman like game against Purdue. It wasn't the uh, explosive plays that they had against Ohio State, but. 43-22, 13-0, the first 13-win season in school history, which is awesome to see. And they're back in the playoff, back-to-back Big Ten champs. I have not heard anything from any fan bases about if Michigan can find Indiana map. Seems like they're getting there just fine. But I think the one, the one game that was conference championship game that was exciting was the Pac-12, or the Big 12 game, which, as you guys can see, I am rocking a... K-State crew neck, 31-28. Our former former Bison coach, Chris Kleiman, was, uh, got his first conference championship and was it was a very much a uh, well-deserved championship for him. There were a lot of people that were not happy with uh, with the hiring when he was hired back in 2018. A lot of them wanted the North Texas coach who was just fired over the weekend so, no, ironic. Some, so some vindication there for gene taylor ethan's old boss and yep. other than that i don't there's really not a whole lot of, other than this game i don't think we really have to discuss a lot of the uh, conference championship games because they were all kind of went as chalk and were blowouts so i think the biggest thing for kansas state was they were able to force force three turnovers they did, the biggest thing is we get into a real schematic X's and O's standpoint. I thought Kansas State did a really good job of winning on first and second down, getting Max Duggan to those obvious passing downs. He made some plays, and that's what when you're a Heisman candidate, you're gonna like that play that got him into uh, uh, into the red zone with uh, right at the end of uh, regulation to tie the game up was an incredible play by him. And thought he was going to need oxygen, but he didn't. But I think the biggest thing with the Kansas State or the for TCU on their end was the play calling when they had it at third and fourth and one inch, where they both both times they gave it to the running back when the obvious play is I don't know if Sonny Dykes just overthought it, where tried to give it to the running back where the most easy logical play and probably the toughest play to defend is the QB sneak, and they didn't do it.
3: Well, you know, Dylan, like like what Jason Kelsey and Jalen Hurts say in Philadelphia, the QB sneak's not QB sneak works 92% of the time. And it's the easiest play in football. Now, with since you can essentially have a rugby scrum and you got guys pushing from behind, just get it to your big quarterback and let and let him get an inch. I mean, if you can't get it once, that's okay. But you got another shot on fourth down. So 92% of the time, uh, just QB sneak it, easy touchdown.
1: Yeah, but – and then Kansas, TCU, it didn't affect them at all. I didn't think it should. They they got in. Ethan, did you have TCU in the playoff to start the year? I feel like you did.
0: I might have. No, I had Baylor instead, I You think. had Baylor, okay. Yeah, me You me got TCU really... in the final four. That's right. Bingo. But I'll say they're in my final four for football now, so, I mean, it counts. It's the there same thing. <laughs> if, they didn't, if they don't get it in
1: basketball, four. they got it in football there.
0: Yep, yep. Yeah, he Your, said he, he was in the final zone
1: four. Like a so politician, I, bam. But, but yeah, I'm, 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 mean, I, I was just very happy for Chris Kleiman, Just the overall good dude, tremendous coach. Had some ups and downs, and from what I've understood, is he took over a, a at a job that there was sounds like it wasn't as sunshine and ro- rainbows, and it wasn't the uh, the glorious exit for Bill Snyder that the it was portrayed. It sounds like there was a lot of turmoil in the in the athletic department with it. And he was able to rate the ship, turn things around. He had a couple of big wins his first year. And they just kept that progressively building and it's led to this and now they get a get a date with Alabama. And for me, I think the one story that I have with Chris Kleiman and it's kind it's helped shape the way I coach is this was af in 20, 2015, it was Carson's senior year. He was out with, a, with his broken wrist. They just beat Richmond in the semifinals to go, to go back to Frisco for a fifth straight year. And he talked about how Richmond's coach, he was listening to their press conference and the guy was referring it to as my football team. This is my football team. I'm very proud of my football team. I'm happy for my, my I'm proud of my players. Me, 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 my, my, my. And Kleiman talked about it. He's like, I just listened to their coach and he talked about it was my football team, my players. And I don't think he meant anything by it, but guys, you'll never hear me say, This is my football team. This is our football team. We are a family. This is a brotherhood. And when it's not just my success, because I'm not the one, the reason you guys are winning games, it's you guys. It's our success. It is not my success. And I think that was just kind of the way he coached. And I think that's the way he is, is where he's just such a player's coach. He is happy for him. And he makes make sure they know that and they've bought in. And you can see, I'll see it every once in a while on Twitter, the post-game locker room, just the way the, the players react to them and how much love they have for him as a coach.
3: In. i think it just shows about you know dylan like you're getting at how good of a person he is you know a husband a dad a son a nephew a neighbor a co-worker he's, he's just a good guy and you you need you need people like that and you know the best part is is though some of the lessons he's teaching these young men if they spend two years in manhattan kansas or if they spend six with a with the COVID years the lessons he'll teach them so when they grow up and they have success with their families, their jobs, new businesses, whatever it is. It's not, hey, look at my business. It's look what we did as a team. Look what we can accomplish together. And, you know, doesn't Kansas State on the back of their helmets? Don't they have, um, doesn't it say family?
1: Probably. On, on, it might. On there,
3: I thought I saw for the longest time where maybe they h- held up like, you know, a, p- a, a piece of wood and it's painted white with purple that says family on there. Uh, I I could be wrong, but I thought I saw that. And if that's the case, it just fits the culture that Kansas State has. And you know, Gene made a great hire, and he saw who he was as a person in, in Fargo, North Dakota State, and he said, "You know what? We're going to bring him down here to Kansas. It's not going to be the popular hire, but it's going to be the right hire."
1: Well, and that and Gene, that's not the uh, the first controversial hire he's he's made where it's uh, paid off either. But I'll, I'll, I'll tell that story when when you're done, Grant.
3: Um, but And then, yeah, and just now for them, like you said, to get a chance to play Alabama and get that, what, 11th win on the year? I mean, that's – you know, that's big. If you beat, you beat Alabama, you get that 11th win. You know, Kansas State, they'll finish the year, what, top seven? Top Should five. Top eight. I mean, that's, that's huge, you know, for that program and in the world to transfer portals and nil stuff you know kansas state is doing it their way and it's the way the way it should be done and you know you kind of wish that more coaches um would get the credit in the media that that um they deserve when they do it this way
1: yeah and uh the story was is back when he was the athletic director at ndsu and bob Badge- Babbage left for the nfl the D coordinator on that staff was Gus Bradley and the job came down to Craig bowl and Gus Bradley and Gene ended up going with, with Craig. And there was, it was very, very contentious that Gus thought he should have gotten the job being that he was the D coordinator, very successful defense. He's had an incredible coaching career and they met at some restaurant in downtown. Craig and Gus met at a restaurant in downtown Fargo. Craig told him what he wanted to do and with the vision he saw for NDSU. Gus bought in and he stayed on and it laid the groundwork because those first few years, they weren't eligible because of the transition period. But laid the foundation because Gus put his ego and pride aside, which is, as Bison as it can get, sacrificed, and did what he did. That was for the betterment of the kids and the program. And the program is where it is today. Where did Bull come from again? He was he was the fired defensive. No, he was the fired defensive coordinator at Nebraska.
0: Okay. Because did
3: he play his college ball at Nebraska?
1: Yep, he was a walk on there. Right. And then yeah, he was he was a whole. He got I think when Sulich. When Osborne retired and Solich, Frank Solich got the job. He was the D coordinator. Then they fired him the year before they fired Frank Solich. And ball goes to NDSU. And,
3: and the rest is history.
1: The rest is history.
3: Because he would have won a title in the 90s with Nebraska, correct? Coached in that defense?
1: I believe so, yeah. Because he was there for quite a while. Uh, okay. Let's see here, but. I guess I suppose that is a it's a pretty good transition we can move over. Yeah, he was the from 2000 to 2002 he was the D coordinator and then from 95 to 99 he was the linebackers coach. Okay. He was a GA there from 81 to 83 and then he went to he went to NDSU in 84 as a defensive backs coach. And huh. he was spent time at Tulsa, Wisconsin, Rice and Duke. Um so interesting. Yep. Yeah, and I guess that's just a good segue. We'll go down to the FCS playoffs. The uh second round wrapped up on Saturday where all eight, all the eight seeds won. So we got one, one verse eight, two verse seven, three verse six, four verse five. Uh NDSU took care of business on Montana. It was a dominating running game, 453 rushing yards. They had runs of Two runs of 68 yards, a 75-yard run, and a 73-yard run. Game really flipped. It was kind of hanging in the balance. But uh, Cole Wisniewski had a fumble recovery in the end zone right before half that gave them a touchdown lead. And then after that, a uh, pick six by the, by the Grizzlies to start the second half. After that, it was all Bison. that was when the runs broke out. Montana got a late touchdown with, like, 30 seconds left. But very mm-hmm. similar to how most Grizz games have played out this year, where uh, like against Montana State, where NDSU just ran all over them. They really had no shot. And it was a good win. And they move on to Sanford, where they uh, they play on Friday at 5, Mountain Time, on ESPN 2. Oh, not not the normal Saturday game. No, no, that is uh, reserved for South Dakota State. Actually, they'll be playing uh, Holy Cross at at uh, ten on ESPN. Interesting. So yep, yep. There's yeah. There's and then Montana State plays right after the NDSU game on Friday. But India or we we'll, we're gonna play play a game, guys. Of no, get to know your opponent. Okay, so they play Samford. Samford University. Do you guys know what state Samford is in? Connecticut. Nope. I'm
3: going to I'm going to go I'm going to go Georgia.
1: Close grant. Alabama they they're in Homewood, Alabama. Ah, my, South Carolina was my next guess. It was founded as Howard College by Baptists in 1841. Hmm. They're Let's see. Uh, let's see if you guys know any. There, there's a few, few famous alumni they have here. Uh, one of them is a quarterback. He played for the Steelers. And he won the Walter Payton Award, and actually beat out a former Bison for that year as well. Do you guys know who that is?
3: Charlie Batch?
0: Nope. Hmm. Ethan? Um. Steeler quarterback. Terry Bradshaw, I don't know. Nope.
1: It is the the one and only Devlin Duck Hodges. Oh, oh the Duck. Yeah, The Duck. Yep. And then a couple other ones here. This guy is most known for he was a Titans cornerback who got into a fist fight against Andre Johnson. Finnegan, Cortland Finnegan. Hey, there it is. Finnegan. And I got, there's two more. This guy, he is a national champion head coach and on the golf course is no one to lay up on par fives. Jimbo Fisher. Yep. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
3: (laughs) I hate that guy. I
0: love it. And then, Uh,
1: so, the last question is, this guy, he is a legendary football coach. He is, he is, he hails from Birmingham, Alabama. Um, He recently passed away. He, he is uh, the last, he coached at one place for 33 years. I think I know this. And before that, he was the head coach at West Virginia.
3: I think I know this. Go ahead. Bobby Bowden. Yep. Yep. yep.
1: Bobby Bowden, Which is actually, I believe the stadium is named after Bobby Bowden. I want to say it is Bobby Bowden Stadium. At Sanford? Yep.
3: Okay, because yep. I know it's Bobby Bowden Field there in Tallahassee.
1: Yes, I want to say it is Bobby Bowden Stadium. Hey, three for five on my Sanford. Yeah, um, yeah I'm feeling. I'm feeling Not pretty terrible. good. After that, so, do you guys know who Devlin Duck Hodges beat out for the Walter Payton Award? Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo. Nope. No, uh, Easton Stick. Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, but yeah, Sanford. As far as uh, you guys know anything about the uh, current Sanford Sanford team? Are um, they the they Are they the both?
3: Are they the Bulldogs? By seeing their logo?
1: I believe yeah, I think so.
3: That's that's about as much as I
1: got. They they are the Bulldogs. They are from the Southern Conference, but don't worry. I I've, I've got I've got some stuff here. I watched Matt Anson's press conference today. They're their team that they they like to throw the ball around. Um they're no huddle team. They they their goal is to get 100 plays a game in on offense.
0: Good They've luck got, communicating. Never works
1: that. for SDSU. Good I'm, luck
3: communicating
1: in that dome. Yes, which I, Matt, Matt Entz was pleading for. Uh, hopefully, they're going to be able to fill it. Uh, they they had about thirteen thousand people there on for the game on Saturday, which is about seventy percent of the dome. I I think with it being a Friday game, I think there's a little bit more pull. It's a night game. You know, hey, we can take off work early, go tailgate. You know, gives people a little bit more excitement, you know, get going over there, which 13,000 for a playoff game, it's kind of been the norm outside of the quarterfinals. Hopefully this does a little bit of added juice to it, um, which is even though 13,000 compared to the rest of the attendance for the FCS is they NDSU dom because even like South Dakota state, they didn't even fill half of it up this weekend.
3: You're telling me the the Delaware Blue Hens didn't get people in Brookings excited to go watch football?
1: Did not. 6 oh, I think that's... it was like 6100 people there.
0: That's ridiculous. Yeah, they used to live shit out of them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was over. It was over fast, but they've they've got two Sam back to Sanford. They got two receivers that are shy of a 1000 yards. Their quarterback, it sounds like he actually got hurt against I can't remember who they were playing. I think it was Southeast Louisiana. But um you know they're this, and they're not uh, just kind of. He's questionable. It sounds like, but he's thrown for over thirty-three hundred yards, thirty-five touchdowns, three interceptions. Uh, the backup. It sounds like he's more of a runner. As far as for NDSU on the defensive side is, you know, anytime you're playing a team that likes to go fast, likes to try to get to that hundred play mark, is biggest thing is is winning first and second down, getting into those obvious passes passing situations where the pass rush for the Bison can just tee off and force force some havoc, cause cause force them into a bad throw and then limit limit those explosive plays. And on the offensive side is just play really good complementary football, which I don't think they should have a problem with doing. Sanford's defense is not very good. They give up a lot of yards rushing which is not good if you're playing a Bison team. Cause mm-hmm. they're, they're going to run the ball. They're going to hold the ball for, if they can, they'll, they'll go four yards of play. They, they're not going to shy away from it. If it's working, they're going to stick with it. So I think the line right now, it start opened at 12 and a half this morning. And when I looked before we started recording it was 16 and a half already. I think you might even mm. want to go higher. Well yeah, yeah, like because like, literally
3: everything you just said, Dylan, to describe this game is the recipe for a forty-two to three bison blowout. A team who likes to go fast, no huddle, uh, their quarterbacks hurt, they can't communicate in the dome, they give up a lot a lot of yards rushing on the ground. We we we've seen this before. And 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 it and it gets pretty ugly there they're in the Fargo dome. it, it gets ugly. So Hopefully Sanford um, knows half of what they're getting into. I doubt they will. Who, who knows? Uh, some of the hospitals there and, um, you know, the Sanford Hospital out there in Fargo might want to have a couple body bags ready for that Sanford defense because they might not be ready for this running game that's coming their way.
1: No, and they, they seem to be clicking right now. Um, today it sounds like Lipke is done for the year, so he won't be back. But uh, – Tamaric Williams and Kobe Johnson seem to really be coming into their own and really carrying that load. Cole Payton is going to be, I think Cam Miller, he was one of the, he had one of the 68 yard runs against Montana. He's a, he's going to be a threat in the running game as well. And just like I said, just complimentary football, keep that defense off the field. Don't let that offense get going and they should be playing in the semis again. And it, could be at home, depending on if Sac State does. Even if they don't, I still feel confident with them even going out, out on the road.
3: You know, kind of selfishly, I'm looking. I'm looking into January here, but I hope it's an NDSU SDSU championship game. Me too. I, I I just I think the FCS they need that just to promote the game and to promote the teams playing in this league. You have the two best teams. You know people they'll remember s d s u the team who lost to Iowa seven to three this year uh you know who, who their defense really only gave up three points you have the rivalry how many championships NDSU's won over these last couple of years I know I'm looking ahead here uh but we're playing the hypothetical game um we're i'm hoping it's jack Spies there in Frisco this year
1: me too i think i think a lot of n d s u people would be very very uh rubbing their hands together with uh, excitement after the uh them leaving the Fargo dome with the rock and I think NDST would get a little bit of actually not just a little bit they, they'd get a lot of justice and the last laugh if they're holding up the national championship trophy in Frisco again oh without question but so we we'll, we'll go over to the NFL where the Vikings win another one possession game 27 22 over the Jets Story of the game was their red zone defense and third down defense. I think they were three of sixteen. Forced the Jets into three of sixteen on third down, made them kick five field goals in the red zone and forced two turnovers as well. It was it wasn't a pretty game. The offense still goes into those lulls, but they there's just something about it finding ways to win. And right now you're you're in you're in the month of December. That's all what matters is find a way to win. It doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't have to be sexy or anything like that. It's just as one of Grant's favorite NFL NFL uh, executives always would say, just win, baby.
3: Just win, baby. And remember, it's not gymnastics. There's no style points in football.
0: I'm just tired of these third-quarter do we even really want to play type of games? Because, like, it's consistently mm-hmm. throughout the whole season. Like, at some point, it's going to come back and bite you in the ass. It probably will this weekend at Detroit. I actually am surprised Detroit's only a one-point favorite.
3: Well, and because also, you know, earlier this year when they played in, what, week three? Detroit was dominating that game.
0: They should have beat them
3: the first time. should have yeah. beat them the first time. And Dan Campbell and his, um, his staff, with some decisions they made, kind of gave that game away. And I mean, yeah, that kind of maybe prolonged the Vikings' end of this year, thinking, "Hey, we can win these one possession games if we just stick to it." You know, had they lost that game, it would have been probably a really different story end this year. You know, I mean, we're looking, we're talking about what happened in September, but who knows what could have been?
0: I I think we're going to get Dantzler back this weekend, but I don't think that's a like the key to like making our defense better. It'll help, but. Honestly, like they need to figure something out because their pass defense is holy hell, it's atrocious.
3: Well, I think I saw a stat the other day like in seven of the 12 games this year, the Vikings defense has given up over 400 yards. And I
0: believe
3: it. I understand you got, you know, you made the Jets kick five field goals last week and you had all those turnovers, but you gave up 500 yards to Mike White.
0: You gave up 387 to freaking.
3: Mac Jones Mac Jones with with no real skill players and an offensive oh. coordinator England who has a pencil in his hat but his play sheet is laminated He yeah. can't use that pencil. What <laughs> is that you're doing? And you make Mac Jones look like an all pro so yeah Ethan you're absolutely right. It's going to come back eventually to bite bite this Vikings team in the ass cuz I understand Brock tober is now the quarterback in San Francisco. Um so, they're screwed because October's over. And, actually, Brock Purdy's not used to playing meaningful football in December. So, he's probably going to shit his pants here. But if they play them in January, the Niners, they're scoring touchdowns. They're not not—they're not kicking field goals. Two weeks ago, the Cowboys. 450 yards of offense, you're going to lose that playoff game. So, yeah, Ethan, you're right. The Vikings, they got to.
0: Yeah, you know, it's, it's phoned out right there. Holy hell!
1: Yeah, but I, for some reason, somehow my Wi-Fi switched back to John Wilkes Bluetooth when it needs to be on the rat's nest. I don't know how. You look
0: possessed for a second. I was kind of scared. You just like died.
1: Yeah, that's what happened. You live alone. All those crack creaks, and cracks. You figure out what ha- what happens that the, 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 there's real people in here. But but the uh, and yeah, I think well, they're gonna need dancer because it sounds like a Caleb Evans has a is in concussion protocol, so you don't know
0: if he's gonna go. Like the third time this year.
1: Yeah. And well it I and I think the biggest thing, the issue with the Vikings, the the reason they go into the lulls is they just their running game is so inconsistent. They where they can't rely on that to get them out of those those funks where you're not they, they're you're not gonna score every possession, but at least be able to have a, an effective enough running game to where you can Move the chains and and flip the field at least to make that defense make the offense go the entire length of the field. But their their run game is just so inconsistent. I think I saw I looked yesterday they ranked 26th in average rush in rushing a game, and that's that's going to be tough, especially as these games get tighter and you go into the playoffs. You have to find ways to run the ball effectively and efficiently, and the Vikings mm-hmm. still have yet to figure that out. I don't know if they got to go if KOC has to go in and look in the third quarter where he draws up, has a script ready to go right from in the game plan where they're on top of their first 12, 10 to 12 plays that they start the game with where they start out hot, if they have to do that for the second half and then adjust from there. But they have to figure out a way to do something to, because if they don't, that's going to be a short playoff stint for the Vikings.
3: Hmm. And and then is like when they're in at halftime. I'm just wondering, are our messages not getting across from this coaching staff that they need to attack games, they need to finish, 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 or are are they just not making adjustments? And is the other team making adjustments to what the Vikings are doing? Where you know, KOC first time head coach. Um, and I want to still say still first time play caller in this league consistently where he he's not making any changes um and these veteran defensive coaches are i just i almost want to be a fly in the wall in these halftime conversations because you know everything's going great but then they get like you said in that third quarter and it's just kind of they're, they're flatlining it i mean but hey let's give pups to the jets you know maybe that 60 yard field goal that they kicked going in halftime was a spark that that team needed and it got them going and also, you know, Kirk missed a couple passes there in the, in the second half early. Um, it looked like he had Hawkinson for at least a nice 20, 25-yard reception. It was a touch long. And there was a pass to Jefferson where, you know, Jefferson's hands were on it. He'll say he should have caught it. But Kirk put it behind him. And if he would have hit him in stride, he would have kept going. So,
0: I think that was Kirk's worst game of the year, actually.
3: Yeah, so you got to, when you're Kirk and you're kind of starting to get into that funk, you have to hit your layups in the third quarter and he just, he he couldn't, he couldn't do it on Sunday.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And they've, well, yeah, they've got a big one too. A, well, chance to, they got a, got a t-shirt hat game up, which we'll get to in a little bit here, but we'll stay within week. What is it? Week, week 13 recap. The, week 13. Uh, yeah, yeah. Wow. And the, uh, the chiefs look human. They, uh, they had to go up to, the Queen City, where they lost to the Bengals, thirty to twenty-seven. I think it's fair to say. I think everybody knows this. It was kind of a question now. Twenty-seven to twenty-four. Was it? Or, yep. Yeah. Yeah. It was. You're yep. right. It yeah. The last two. Twenty-four. The last
3: two games against uh, the Bengals have been twenty-seven, twenty-four.
1: How about that? And it, it, I don't even know if it's much of a debate anymore, but. I think Skyline Chili's better than Kansas City Barbecue. At this rate, I this is the Bengals' third straight win against the Chiefs, and which was a very fun game. I hope these two teams play again down the line. The uh, I thought the Bengals' defense did a really good job of limiting Kelsey. Uh, they did a good job of shutting him down. They were able to force a fumble. On a uh, the one of the few times he was able to touch the ball, and after that, I think some of the play calling. I think Andy Reid, I felt like, got a little bit too cute. I know Grant, you were a little bit frustrated with the play calling as well. And Grant looks like he's just. Oh no, he's mm-hmm. back. Um, okay, I'm good here. But the the where you know they they would get a good. Good yards on first down, and then they'd throw it two times in a row, and refuse to run the ball. I think Mahomes missed a couple of times where he had his eyes downfield, where Jarek McKinnon or Pacheco out of the backfield were just kind of just standing there wide open, where if he throws it, ducks it down to them, and makes the easy play. You know, they extend a couple of drives, and who knows, get a field goal, get a touchdown out of it. But he he tried to kind of make the big play. It felt like he was almost felt like he was kind of just pressing trying to make the big play trying to redeem redeem himself from last year's AFC championship almost is that kind of what you felt Grant yeah it was a little bit and then also
3: uh in a weird a weird way kind of off the field you know this past Wednesday was Patrick was on the episode of you know new heights with Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey And it was a fantastic conversation those guys had and some of the stories Pat shared. So he was kind of on a high this week on Wednesday and you almost felt like he wanted to have a performance on Sunday where people were talking like, wow, did you see this? Like what did he have two weeks ago against the chargers? So he could kind of cap back and say, Hey, look, look at the hell of the week I had, you know, birth of his first, birth of his first son. That was awesome interviews on Wednesday and then doing a crazy um, you know, Mahomes-like performance on Sunday. So I feel like he kind of, tr- he tried a little too hard. Um, but then another thing that's been pressing this Chiefs team is the, in these last two weeks, they're only like, I want to say three of eight in the Reds for red zone drives, converting touchdowns. And you're not, you're not winning games in the NFL. If you're, you're kicking field goals in the red area and, you know, Dylan, what you were talking about, how I was frustrated. It was the first drive of the game. The Bengals Bengals go down and they get seven. Uh, you know the Chiefs answer. They're they're having a nice drive. You know run pass. They're mixing it in there. You know a first and ten from I want to say the um, the four fourteen, and uh, they get you know Pacheco gets a seven yard seven yard carry. So it's second and three from the four. No, it was first and ten from the seventeen. Or where it was, I can't remember. But you have a second, yeah, second and three at the seven, Two straight passes. And you, you have to go out and you have to kick the field goal. It's like, you know, Andy, just like what you had in the second half of that Chargers game, when Pacheco got over 100 yards. And what you did against the Bucks this year, when I challenged this Chiefs team and this Chiefs offensive line, to go out and be physical and run the ball. Stop being so cute. I I get you have Patrick and Travis, and you're one of the more creative red zone offenses in the NFL. But when you're playing the Bengals, stop being cute. When you're playing these playoff teams, when your offensive linemen are moving people and they're built to go forward like offensive linemen are, just run the ball. Just run the ball. Be a little old school. Be a little boring. You don't need these crazy magician-like plays and tie it up at seven. And hypothetically speaking, if that would have been the case, even after the Kelsey fumble, it still would have been, no, even after, let's say, Evans' touchdown, it would have been 28-27. Chiefs would have still had the lead. And then also, you know, I said these last couple weeks, or are 3 of 8 in the red zone. McCole Hardman has missed the last two weeks on, on, on IR. And so far this year, McCall has dominated in the red zone with, you know, his jet sweeps. You know, if he's in the backfield and they got man coverage, he's crossing people. So, missing McColl these last couple of weeks, I also feel has been big because he's helps this team, for the most part of the year, have the best red zone offense in the NFL.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and when is he scheduled to come back?
3: So, so that was that was his second game. So, the first game he'll be eligible to come back will be, I believe, Christmas Eve against Seattle. Because I think he missed he missed the Chargers game, but they designated him for IR, I believe, last week against the Rams. Okay. Um, Or no, no, his first game back will be against Houston. So in two weeks, because he missed
0: week sixteen.
3: Yeah, week sixteen. Yeah, so he missed the Jags game, was placed on IR before the Chargers. So yeah, week sixteen against Houston will be the first time or week 15, whatever week it is, when they play Houston, um, in two weeks, that's when he'll be eligible to come back for the first time.
1: Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yep. But yeah, the Broncos, which we'll get into, or Chiefs will get into it a little bit here. They are now, it's not going to be the Arrowhead Invitational as of now. There's a lot that still has to play out. The Bills got a tough schedule ahead. Chiefs, for the most part, have a, uh, which – Originally looked like it could have been tough, but one team is not the team they thought they were. And it's well, not and it, the Bears.
3: Also, you know, real quick, I just could I I want to shout out that Cincinnati Bengals offensive line.
1: Yes, I they have that played, on my notes. They've they looked, played they played great yesterday.
3: They were running the ball, they're physical, they were moving people, they were getting the defensive line up to Nick Bolton and, and Willie Gay. Uh, they were they kept Chris Jones away from their quarterback. They didn't do that those two times last year. Uh, no one else could get a con- consistent pass rush on Joe. The Bengals' offensive line won that game yesterday, and they went out and they paid a lot of money, you know, this year to revamp it, and they did that. So, you know, shout-out shout, shout out to the Bengals' O-line for playing a great game yesterday, dominating the line of scrimmage, being physical, keeping your quarterback upright, having some AJP P. Ryan – Come in for Joe Mixon playing a great game.
1: And he looked wow. like Joe Mixon. This is the best I've looked, ever seen Samaj ryan looking in the NFL.
3: Samaje ryan looked like he was playing Kansas in 2014. Yeah, yes, <laughs> he, 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 he 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 played well. And you know, Cincinnati, they made they made that, they had that turnover on Travis, the forced fumble. And you know, they just they made more plays. Um so yeah, shout out to that Bengals all line They they played great and when are we going to put some respect on T Higgins' name? Uh, this 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 is getting a little old right now. Yes, Jamar Chase is an alien, but man, T Higgins is a stud, and he had he had a great game yesterday too. So
0: I'm just going to say his my face or my uh, fancy team's named after him. So I'm already on the bandwagon. You guys can hop on if you'd like. Yeah, I, I was just I was just
3: shouting out everyone else, myself yeah. included. You know, T Higgins is a ball.
0: Good and, old tea party. Uh,
3: Good old, good old tea party. We need, we need to start putting some respect on him and Jamar as maybe the best one-two duo in the NFL.
0: When's his rookie deal up, Higgins? It's got to be coming up here soon.
1: I, I want to say it's this year, actually. I want to say because he, he was the year before Burrow, wasn't he?
0: Yeah,
3: because I think yes. he won, won that title against Alabama. Yeah. So, 19, 20, 21, 22. So, yeah, it'd be this, this offseason.
0: Okay. So, he's going to get paid by somebody.
3: Oh, man, if I'm Cincinnati, I'm doing everything I can to keep that young man.
0: Yep. Yep. It's a lot of money on two receivers, though.
3: I know, but man, they proved me wrong. I know they lost to the Super Bowl last year, but they're just a dynamic duo. And that offense is that Cincinnati offense is so complete. But do you got to pay Burrow, too? And I don't know if Sam Hubbard got his deal. I mean, (laughs) I'm glad I'm not a cap guy in the NFL because it would keep you up.
1: Well, and Mike Brown's no one to spend a lot of money on. On players so i mean i don't think there's a lot to worry about
3: that is that is true i mean he he's, he's like the yankees version of um owners in the nfl yeah just he, throws cash out to his players
1: well and there there there's a reason why they renamed the stadium this year is because they the, i think which i we're, we're we're kind of being facetious with mike brown here but the fact that he's changing the name from his father's name to i don't even know the name of it now but was it like pay core? it's something like that, but you know, that's saying that's uh, that's an investment realizing like, if we want to be, have sustained success, we're going to have to pay them. And that's, that's part of it is that naming rights. Those aren't cheap. Yep. But we'll go Cowboys oh. 54. Oh yeah. Go ahead. Real, real quick, Dylan,
3: real quick. This is, I think kind of a funny story here. Cause I think you guys will enjoy this. So let's recap to January 1, 2022. Okay. Little, right. little Grant football circle story this year that's going to come full circle. January 1, 2022, I was playing in their bowl game against the Kentucky Wildcats. They lose that game 20 to 17. Oh, shoot. You know, hey, they had a nice year, 10 wins, play Michigan a big 10 title game, win three trophies. Eh, you can't win. That's right. January 2nd, 2, 2022, Cincinnati Bengals, Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs have a two touchdown lead twice. They blow that, lose to the Bengals by three points. Later in January, Chiefs-Bengals. Chiefs are up 21-3. Mixon gets that touchdown before the half. Eli Apple on Tyreek Hill. Bengals win the game in overtime, 27-24. All right. So Iowa's own one against Kentucky. Cincinnati's 2-0 against the Chiefs. Sunday, Bengals, hard-fought win, 27-24. But then also, what's announced on Sunday? Iowa's bowl opponent for this year, the Music City Bowl, on December 31st, the last day of 2022. They're playing the Kentucky Wildcats <laughs> without a quarterback.
1: Without a quarterback, maybe for both teams. <laughs> we don't know if Will Levis is playing or not. It might be. So, it, 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 this could be a Deuce Hogan revenge game. We don't know. It, oh yeah, I very much. Well, could
3: be. Yeah, so,
0: that'd be crazy. <laughs> it's just it's kind
1: of funny where
3: you start the year off. Um, Kentucky beats Iowa and then Cincinnati beats Kansas city three times in this calendar year. Then we could end this calendar year with Kentucky beating Iowa and going two and O against Iowa this year. So it could be a fun little full circle, full, full, full circle football story. Come December 31st. there.
1: Southern, Southern Ohio and Kentucky own you. And they own- to top it off, skyline chili is better than Kansas city barbecue.
3: We're not going to, we're, you're just stupid at this point. You're you're trying (laughs) and it's working. I don't,
1: I don't like it. I, well, I've never had the skyline chili yet. So I can't, can't say for sure. I have had Kansas city barbecue. It is awesome. So some point, maybe we will have, we're going to have to test it out at some point. Maybe we're going to have to go to Cincinnati and try the skyline chili.
3: You know, my guy Travis said the chili wasn't that good, and uh, let's—that's all I'm going to say on that because it's just it wasn't that good, and it maybe looks the same for the whole process if you know what I'm saying. <laughs>
1: that's, yeah, that's that's all I'm going to say. Well, I was watching a video on it last night, and they said that um, that there's only two people that know the recipe, and one knows half of it, and the other and the other person knows the other half of it. So So I'm thinking like it. it, 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 Somebody just makes all of it, and it is like it's all like processed. So like even at the restaurant, I'm pretty sure you can buy it. Like like you can go like buy like the Hormel or the Campbell's chunky chili. Mm -hmm. So I don't I don't know who knows, but go down to Dallas. Cowboys beat the Colts 54 19 on Sunday Night Football. There wasn't a whole lot. Cowboys kind of putzed around with them, let them hang out, and then outscored them 33 0 in the fourth quarter. And now we're on to week 14. We'll start with the Vikings Lions, where they Vikings travel to the Motor City, where 11 a.m. Fox Lions, like Ethan said a little bit earlier, are a one point favorite. Uh, Lions need to win to keep them at their playoff hopes alive. Vikings win. They clinched the division. T-shirt hat game, like I said. I think, you know, a thing that I talked about, you know, with against the Jets and been a recurring theme is look for something to try to find some consistency in the run game. And then on the defensive side of the ball, the big key is is hitting getting pressure on Jared Goff, hitting him early and off. And if you're able to do that, he's gonna be rattled and he's gonna be off kiltered. He's gonna be hearing footsteps and he's gonna throw it throw it to the other team at least once if he's not uh if it's not a perfect environment for him well and 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 for me guys i'm looking at
3: this to be the dalvin cook alexander madison game just because that's what vikings running backs do against the lions you know dalvin was having that great rookie year you know in his first game against the lions in 17 and unfortunately towards acl and then, you know, at the game I was at last year, you know, at U.S. Bank Stadium, Delvin couldn't go, but Madison stepped in with 100 yards and a touchdown. And, you know, this would be a nice week against this Lions defense to really get that run game going, feeling feeling polished and confident, uh, you know, going going into this December stretch where, you know, you shouldn't be playing for the division. You should be playing for, you know, playoff seeding, you know, play, playing for that two seed. So, be a nice week to get that running game going, uh, you know, for the Vikings to get confidence. Because, like I said, when you're when you're playing San Francisco and Dallas in January, you're, you're going to need to run the ball. And, like we saw it two weeks ago against Dallas, Vikings couldn't run the ball, Dallas could, and they got their ass kicked.
0: Yeah, I'll say they got to run the ball because it doesn't sound like Derrissau is coming back anytime soon, and you're going to have Hutchinson going up against our, what, Brandle or whatever, I mean, who's been good, but – Detroit can bring the pressure. So you're gonna to have to get that ball out quick or else Cousins is gonna be in for a long day. So you run the ball, you have a better chance, I guess, at getting the ball out, but it's still not gonna be an easy win at all. No, and it's so in Detroit there's there's a little bit more of some some
1: excitement and, and enthusiasm around that around Ford Field that you've heard a lot of people talk about how There's it's it's a little bit louder than what it has been in years past. It sounds like they're selling out. They're getting ready to break attendance records at Ford Field. So it's going to be a raucous environment, Mike. And a good way to kind of control that is have a finding ways to run the ball effectively and efficiently and sticking with it and being consistent with it. Take the crowd out of the game.
3: Well, to your point, Dylan, like, wasn't the Bills game the first like sellout Ford Field's had in almost three years? Like, it like was something. I Bills? want to say
1: it was something, or it was their largest attendance they've had in like three years or something. Because I know was when the, something similar, something like that,
3: yeah. When, when the Eagles pulled up in Week One, I think they said it was like eighty-five percent to um, like ninety percent capacity, but that Bills game. You know, it was it was a sellout and it was standing room only. Which, you know, like you said, Detroit hasn't had that in probably what five years, six years.
1: It could have been, yeah. Well, they they were they were they were not good the last few years, but they uh, but yeah, we'll we'll see. That's eleven o'clock. It'll be interesting to see how that line changed. I wouldn't be surprised. Depending on the money that comes in, I wouldn't be shocked if the Vikings end up being a. Uh, being a uh, favorite by the time uh, kickoff starts. But go over to another 11 o'clock game. Cowboys play the Texans at AT AT&T Stadium. Potentially, this could be Odell Beckham's debut if he decides to sign. I know he's at a Mavs game right now as we record this on a Monday. It's going to be released on the 8th of December. But for them, this Texans team is lifeless. They're about as they're on life support probably generous saying they're on life support, jump on them, put them away early. Don't let them hang around. Something they've Dallas has been tended to do when like they did against the Colts, where they kind of let them hang around for three quarters, play a Mm -hmm. full 60 minutes and don't even let the Texans have a thought that they have a chance to win the game.
0: I feel like, I don't know what the record for like most rushing yards in a game for a team is, but I feel like if Dallas wanted to do it, they very well might be able this to could, do it. This game, this could this, be the
3: this, game. This could be the game. I mean, honestly, guys, they should have 400 yards rushing in this game.
0: They shouldn't even throw the ball.
3: That's my type of game. That's Grant's I, type of game. It's my kind of. It's my kind of game. I mean, I I want to see Zeke and Tony Pollard both have 25 carries.
1: Yep. Well, and and Zeke looks like he's got a little bit more of a little bit more of a a turbo booster from. Previous years, he's got a little well, bit more juice in know, his steps. And I think partially it's, because it's, of Pollard, but I think he's healthy too for once. Well, yeah. And I'm, I was,
3: but I was with you, Dylan. I'm on the same lines. I think it's healthy competition. You know, Tony Pollard has come in and now he's heard the noise that Zeke shouldn't be a starter. You know, he's got his yards per game, yards per carry have gone down every single year since 2016. He, and this is time for you know Zeke to live up to that contract and there's someone else in that room who's competing with him and he knows it's it's you no know, time to not up or shut up and he's he's sick of the rumblings of people saying this Dallas offense is better with Tony Pollard so maybe he's lost a little weight he's a little more focused and 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 it's go time
1: yeah and that's i hope hopefully they both stay healthy and I like the way the direction this team is going. Hopefully, they can clean up some of their some of their mistakes and not have the boneheaded penalties that have been uh, plaguing them through the past few important games. But win this one, and then they got the Jaguars, and then they have a big one against the Eagles. So win these next two, and then we can discuss that tear that awful city that they say has brotherly love, but it's. I, I don't know, outside of Philly cheesesteaks, I, I have a hard time saying nice things about that town. Oh, so
3: that reminds me, you know how Ethan said, don't throw the ball at all in this game? That reminded me, guys, of a story I read this weekend on Sports Illustrated. There was a team in California this year. They won a state title without completing a pass all year. Wow. They had two quarterbacks go a combined 0-7 in the air. They averaged like 450 yards on the ground and scored, I think over 50 touchdowns rushing.
1: I, I couldn't believe it. I I didn't know that was possible. Well, there's, there's some demoralizing. There's a team we play that they've, they, they don't throw the ball a whole lot either. They, against when we played them there, the one time they threw the ball was, or I guess technically two was a hail Mary. At the end of a, the first half, and then on a two-point conversion. Other than that, and then the week before, they didn't throw the ball once. I mean, they I, they I, also they also run an offense that was invented before football was invented, and I'm not joking about it. It it is like the worst offense to prepare. It it should be the simplest, but it's if it if it's coached right, and they are they're they they run it extremely well. It mm-hmm. it is tough to stop because it's very very deceptive. It's you know if you gotta be very disciplined. You can't chase. You gotta stay with stay in your lane, stay in your gaps, because that's where they'll burn you. Cause it's just a big scrum. They don't have any splits at all on the offensive line. They're all just bundled together.
3: I know exactly what you're talking about. And
1: it's yeah. it should be outlawed. But, uh, and and for junior high, it it was nice because we got we got them the first game and they run the same stuff. But it's the first time doing it; it's weird, confusing, and mm-hmm. we lucked, And they they didn't really know what they were doing. And half the time, we were tackling the ball before tackling the quarterback before he could even hand it off. But yeah, there you go. But we'll go. We'll go enough junior high and high school talk we'll go back to the nfl where the uh chiefs play the broncos in a game that when we started the year it looked like this was going to be a fun game they go that game is in mile high it is 205 on cbs chiefs are nine point favorites which hammer the shit out of that and the uh russell wilson this is i know grant's just so sad about this but do you know how many bathrooms Russell Wilson has in his house, Grant? His new Isn't house? It 12? Correct. Do you know how many touchdowns he has? I want to say it's 10. Eight. So Eight. I think there's five games left in the year. He needs to throw one touchdown per game to pass the amount of bathrooms he has in his house. He's not going to do it. Wow. <laughs> He's not going to do it. Because... Guys, let's not forget, December is
3: when Russell Wilson always falls off the face of the earth. Because, you know, he claims there's no time to sleep throughout the year. Well, after a while, he he doesn't have any recovery, and it catches up to his body. I
1: think he's sleeping during the game. I think that's the only explanation.
3: He has to, or he's worried that his wife is going to leave him and and go back to future. future? It might be in her future. Oh, I see what you did there. But I mean, it's it's awful. And guys, did you see the stat the other day about the Broncos? Like, if they scored nineteen points in every single game this year, they'd be eleven and two. It'd either be eleven or ten and two. Nineteen points. I mean, for the love of God, you pay your quarterback two hundred and forty-five million dollars over five years, and he can't even he he can't even muster up nineteen points. I mean, that's it's awful. It's embarrassing. Brutal. I, I mean, Broncos country, let's ride. Yeah, ride this organization right off a cliff. There, or
1: I think... I, what, what, this could be I a fun I, name. What, what, what is the ride that the Broncos country is riding right now? I'll go first. Well, I, think, I think it's a Geo Metro.
3: No, dude, I, I, think, I think they took the trolley up to Pike's Peak and they got in a car and they just drove off the top of the mountain i i think they're just in free fall hmm. or it, like the first truck i had the, and like a 1986 s10 with with no brakes no seatbelt, no airbags half the time when you park it it would go in park and it would still roll backwards
0: <laughs> i was thinking like uh like a ski lift and the cable breaks and they all just crash to the ground
1: well we Is are that, in the ski country so that yeah that's that's a I fair... i like that I, I like that. that. That is a good one like
0: too. That fits. I mean,
3: it's just it, it it's awful. And I understand this Broncos defense is playing well for the most part this year, but you, you gotta wonder if there's gonna be a time when they just break like well, they just... I think
1: it already happened, dude, like it did against Carolina where the that D tackle was screaming at Russell, but
3: True. I he mean,
1: Russell yeah. doesn't Russell, Russell doesn't help himself. It sounds like he'll walk up and down the sideline saying it's Russell Wilson time.
0: Russell Wilson time. But I don't know. It's like you know, the it's dumbest a, thing I've ever heard in my life. Well, he's, you can't he's rule such, it out with
1: him.
3: He's such a fake tough guy, though. It's 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 unbelievable. But, and then you know also what shows is how crazy is how bad and how pear shaped this season has gone for the Broncos. This game guys was originally on Sunday night football. They flexed out Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey in this chiefs offense to a three Oh five game on CBS, because that's how bad this Broncos team is. And that's how much people in this country don't want to watch them play football. Are you kidding me? that, That just doesn't make any sense. It's, You take out one of the, you know, top three quarterback in this league because the other team you're playing is so inept that people are sick of watching them.
1: Yeah.
3: It's it's, it's crazy. It's just absolutely crazy. And, you know, hopefully, you know, on Sunday, this can be what the uh, uh, 16th straight win. Against against the Broncos, fourteenth or sixteenth, you know, because you got to go all the way back to that fatal Thursday night in two thousand and fifteen, on the last time the Chiefs lost to the Broncos.
1: What a fun man! That, the last time, so you're saying the last time the Broncos beat the Chiefs, we were all living together.
3: That is correct.
1: <laughs> yep, we were all living together. You know, that's that
3: Thursday night in September.
1: Good old apartment three hundred nine. Yeah, but yeah, I the the. I, <laughs> If, if the chiefs lose, Andy Reid should be fired. Pat Mahomes should not be allowed to play quarterback again.
0: Well, and, 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 the,
1: would, and, and uh, Spag should be fired. Spag should be fired. Um, that's the big one is that. And, uh, I, and yeah, Like I would just disband the organization. If this chiefs team loses to the Broncos. Yeah.
3: And, and, and this is the big one. This is the week that this chiefs defense should be able to really kind of hopefully get things going, feel confident about themselves. <laughs> kind of dog yelling at me. Um, you know, get the pass rush going and shut this Broncos defense, shut those bro- this Broncos offense down. Cause then, um, you know, then they can get some confidence going for the rest of the year. So, hope, you know, hopefully the Chiefs defense brings it this week.
1: Yes. And that uh, that wraps up the sports talk. So Ethan, welcome back. How was the, uh, how, how was the Vikings Patriots game on Thanksgiving?
0: Uh, that was phenomenal.
1: Was that your that was um, that your first game at US
0: Bank, yeah, for Vikings? Correct. Okay. Um, for Joe played there in the state championship like four years ago, so I was there for that. Um, but uh, no, being on the field was insane. Seeing those guys up close, so I tell him, Grant Ramondre Stevenson, like he looks like a freaking linebacker. Like the dude is absolutely freaking huge, like six two, six three. God knows how much he weighs. Like. How you tackle that man? I honestly don't know. Yeah, but uh, so huge shout out to Mister uh, Mister Logan Peterson. Uh, got got me and my brother down there. Brother's a big Patriots fan, so honestly, I think that made his whole life uh, being up that close. Stood next to his favorite player, gave him knucks. So yeah, that was. Uh, and he was. You well, said he was wearing. He was wearing Matthew Judon's jersey too. He was. He was. Yep, and Judon walked by, gave him knucks. Uh, I could have spit on Robert Kraft, but I didn't want to get go to jail, so I refused. Good idea. I thought about asking if he had any Asian women in the back, but I didn't. I was
3: gonna <laughs> ask you if you got a massage before this. Yeah, Did I uh... should
0: have, but it—he had a nice blue blazer on. That's probably more worth more than my life, so I figured I probably shouldn't. Oh, that's a ten thousand dollars suit for sure. Oh, easy, yeah, easy, easily. He's short as shit, though. Yeah, he's not like, really like- a short man, and he made me look tall. Wow. Isn't he
3: like only 5'2 or like I, five? He's four? not
0: big. Yeah, he's might be. He's borderline midget. Oh. Wow. Yeah. Well, so is, so Nick but Saban's only like 5'6. Hey, come on now. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have
3: just hit the sensitive button. Don't put and that only in now. there,
0: but I am five seven with shoes on. We've been over this. You can ask my girlfriend, Ingrant. He was there.
1: Uh, that, that okay. conversation. That conversation was so ridiculous. I always thought you were—I always thought you were five seven, so I didn't know you were five. But thank six, you, so. thank you. You but, get it. But a but short 20, king's got to stick together, Ethan. Yep. Yeah. Hey, short fuck King, you, baby,
3: I, I what? I didn't say anything about you, dog. I—I've mm-hmm. never, I've never said anything about your height. We might I, be
1: short, but we're tall where it matters.
3: Yeah. Well, they say Ethan's taller laying down. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> the rumors are true.
3: I can't confirm nor deny that. I'm just—that's what I've been told. I've been told he's taller laying down.
0: Can't confirm that, but yes. <laughs> uh, no, but yeah, it was fun. It was a good. Did time. you get Belichick to acknowledge you? We never saw him on the field. No. Actually, oh, god. Gotcha. We no, must have. We had to go up 30 minutes before they kicked us oh. out. So I'm guessing he came out after that. Could down.
3: you on that like? How awesome it would be if you were on the receiving end of him, just giving you that scowl look and not giving you a high five. It's a bad I
1: hope I would have hoped there would have been a photographer there to,
3: exactly. to capture
1: it. And yeah, that I would be like, that would be hanging up right next to my Jordan poster. I feel so like, like it, it'd
0: have to be similar to when Tom Izzo stared through my soul uh, at Carver Hawkeye Arena.
1: Also a short king.
0: Yeah. Yes. Man, Scary. Shout, shout out to the
1: short kings out there. Yeah. yeah. We're basically Nick Saban and Tom Izzo, so mm-hmm.
0: I
3: don't
1: oh, know yeah, we that to- makes you Grant, but you're
3: just I don't know. there. I, just
0: I a don't guy Brett. that likes, likes dogs and
1: peanut butter. I
3: don't know, Brett Bielema? I don't know. He's a tall, fat guy. <laughs> 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 uh.
1: That's all I got. I don't, I, don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Well, Ethan, we'll kick it over
0: to you because you got Curveball of the Week. All right. Um... So we all are on our phones probably way more than we want to admit. Uh, We we live on those things. Um, What is the one app on your phone you could not delete if your life
2: depended on it? Oh. Oh, that's a good one.
1: Well, I guess I'm going to pull up my phone and try to figure that one out. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Let's see here. That would... I would probably have to say YouTube. YouTube? Yep. You, okay. I I spend a lot of time on there watching videos, scrolling through things, just finding random things or something that pops up in my brain. There's a lot of things. There's not much in it, but so there's a lot of room where thoughts just kind of run. And I go down rabbit holes of different conspiracies, different historical things, you know, want to relive the good times, which, well, I don't have to go too far for that lately. But prior to 2021, I had, I had to do that quite a bit, being a Michigan Wolverine fan. But, yeah, I, th- I think it would be YouTube and then watching old, uh, old shows, old cut-ups of... Uh, Of radio shows podcasts things like that or just if i just need a laugh watching old old movie clips
0: not bad you
3: you know for me guys i've mentioned it before on the podcast but i'm gonna have to go instagram and it's it's not for the reasons everyone's thinking you know you're looking out for all these instagram models out there and all these i I
0: know what it is it's all your finstas you have
3: Absolutely not.
0: I don't
1: even, does Grant, does Grant, do you know what a Finsta is? I have no idea what the fuck that is. <laughs> <laughs> that is a, that is a fake Instagram account. Oh yeah. No,
3: that's, you that's
0: stalk people.
1: That That's, that's not
3: me. Um, but again, like I said, guys, it's, it's the reels. It's the videos we share on Instagram with each other. I, when, when I when we get done recording this I'm gonna have to go on Instagram and watch the nine and that Ethan and Dylan shared with me before how one of us will just get on a roll and you know I'll pull my phone out and I'll see Ethan has shared seven reels um Dylan has liked eight reels that you just said it just it brings me so much joy because it's old family guy clips it's clips of the league it's Golf videos, workout trends, people, things that are very offensive to anyone and everything in society. I mean, we're not leaving anyone alone. We're making fun of everybody in all these videos we see. And it just, it brings me so much joy just to get a good laugh. I would probably be sitting at home sometimes looking like, sounding like a total fool, just, you know, crying, laughing because of these things. So I'm going to, I'm going to have to go with Instagram.
0: Mine's a little bit out there um but Shocker. i'm going with safari okay um i not, i am okay. always on the message boards back and forth talking always about my golfers. uh sneaking on the iowa board to help grant understand why his team still sucks and why brian is still the oc Fuck um, off. <laughs> um why they're not going to get the alabama recruit that everyone thought they were their transfer that everyone thought they were going to get um but uh yeah, I, know. I just always love going on there, reading that stuff, interacting with the fans. An honorable mention for me would probably be
1: the uh, the podcast app, because I listen to, when you yeah. dri- spend a lot of your days driving around, you need stuff to listen to, and with similar to, you know, you find some good stuff on the Instagram reels the different things, like today, or the other day, I was listening to uh, Jared Allen on Bussin' with the Boys, and he was talking, got into talking about Lamar Hunt, how he might have had something to do with the JFK assassination. So, probably might be hopping on the uh, the old safari, trying to dig to the bottom of that as well. Uh, and a bunch of other just different ones that I I listen to throughout the day that gets me through the workday. Not bad. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Hard, hard to argue with that.
3: Um, Cause you know, like you said, Dylan, it seems like anytime you send a screenshot, you must be traveling or something. Cause there's always some, some sort of podcast on your lock screen. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> always <laughs> but, podcast on that lock screen.
0: But yeah.
1: Uh, did you guys see the uh, Heisman finalists?
3: I did do yes. the, like a, a true Heisman winner this year. Kind of a, I don't know. I don't know. Kind of a bland year.
1: I'll go by, and I'm. You can call me a homer. I don't really care. But Blake Coram doesn't get hurt. I think he's winning the Heisman, but he he didn't get an invite. I think Hendon Hooker got screwed. He I think he should have should have been invited as well because he was the leader before he tears his ACL. But Heisman doesn't have the uh, the luster, the uh, the juice that it used to have back when we were. When we were youngins.
3: Well, and also, dude, guys, we've been kind of spoiled. Like, look at Joe Burrow's Heisman season, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, when Lamar Jackson won it, Derek Henry's year, Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston, uh, Johnny Manziel, Robert Griffin III. Those were fantastic seasons, and they, they kept oh. everyone on those, and everyone had to tune in to watch those guys playing. We just, we just didn't have that this year where I feel people were like excited to watch this one guy. Um, and that's what kind of made the Heisman so special because everybody had their moments, you know, where everyone said, Hey, I'm going to watch this guy and he's going to blow up, blow up today. And he's going to, sh- he's going to show out. And we just, we just haven't had that. It seems like, and even, you know, since Devonte Smith, I'll say when he yeah. won it over deer.
1: Yeah. And well, that's all we got. We'll, uh, you guys want to discuss bowl matchups next week? Have some sure have some favorites that we're gonna you guys are gonna keep an eye on and maybe a team from Minnesota can finally win in Yankee Stadium. Ooh. (laughs) And uh thank you guys for listening. Check us out on all of our social media platforms Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. Be posting all the different sorts of content there. Check out our YouTube channel, you'll see the full video version. We'll be posting the segments of the show Friday morning. Uh, That's all we got for this week. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.